This episode of the Best Seeds Podcast is presented by LA Wine Fest. For tickets and information, go to LAWineFest.com. This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 83 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of the Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. She is back to doing um, a couple of uh, gigs, um, like solo shows, things like that. So do check out her Instagram and her website to stay tuned for when and where those are. Again, her providing the music for the show is a very, 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 very small example of just how talented she is. So be sure to check her out. As a reminder, if you do enjoy the show, please uh, be sure to leave a rating and or a review. It helps other folks discover it as well. You can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this. And do not forget that you can get early ad-free listening a week before the public by going to patreon.com forward slash thebestseats and signing up at an amount each month that makes the most sense to you. And that is also where you will find the exclusive post-show. I think this makes it number nine since we launched that in the new year. So definitely, definitely check it out as low as three bucks a month. Get you access to that immediately as well as all the other ones. And speaking of post shows, it helps to have a great guest to do it. And that is exactly what I have today. I'm so humbled to welcome to the show Henry Pineda of the very soon to open, depending on when you're listening to this, it may have already opened, Lola's by MFK. And if the latter half of that name sounds familiar, excuse me, that's because they already have MFK up in Bellflower. And it's something that if you have been paying attention to any of the food scene heading up in Northern Orange County, you know about why, because it's really good. Um, I owe Henry a huge thanks. Normally I save the thank yous for kind of after the interview, but I owe him a huge thanks because I am stepping away. I'm traveling for a week and I really wanted to make a commitment this year to not miss a week, not just for patrons, but also free feeds as well. He was nice enough to take some time in the evening to meet me at the restaurant to sit down and do this interview. And for anybody that knows Anaheim between the hours of, I don't know, ever and rush hour, it can be pretty rough. So thank you to Henry for sitting down and taking the time. But why did I want to take the time? Well, I am very, very, very smitten with his food. Filipino food in general is a food that I am learning to love. Um, it's not something I was raised with just where I grew up as a kid. I didn't have a lot of it around me. It's something that is very near and dear to my heart. The flavors really hit home for me. The culture hits home. The people hit home. And most of all, it's the generosity and the sense of hospitality. It is a flavor and a culture and a general just sense of community that is steeped in just that deep, welcoming, you know, big hugs, big smiles, even bigger flavors. Lola's is something that I'm very excited for. 
Um, anytime a restaurant opens, especially given what has happened, not just to restaurants in general, but especially to Henry and his family following a devastating fire that took a restaurant from them in late 2020, it's a big deal. Especially when, and maybe this is me selfishly talking, the flavors of that restaurant are even bigger and bolder and more exciting. They're in a great situation. They're situated right between the Honda Center and Angel Stadium. You want to talk about foot traffic, that's a lot of it. And there's a huge, huge, huge amount of potential as they start to get their doors open. They're also doing a lot of things that a very few restaurants have done so far, but are starting to. And that'll kind of make more sense what I mean by that when you listen to the episode. So thank you to Henry in advance. Again, doing this one 6 p.m. on a Tuesday rush hour is huge. But I really appreciate his time. I appreciate you listening to it. I appreciate the cuisine and everything we're about to dive into with episode 83 of the Best Seeds podcast. Henry Pineda of Lola's by MFK. Enjoy. Henry, thank you for taking the time to hop on the show. Um, very, very excited to finally be able to talk to you. You're someone that I've wanted to for a little bit. Obviously, what's been going on with getting this restaurant open, these things never happen quickly. But now you guys are kind of finally close enough to a time, soft opening and inevitably hard opening to get Lola's off the ground. And we got to talk about the entire history that led to this point. But before Definitely. we do that, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Yeah, what's up, everybody? My name is Henry Pineda, uh, born and raised in SoCal. Um, been in the cooking games for about like 10, 12 years. And uh, right now I'm opening up my third restaurant uh, out here in Anaheim. So I'm really excited for that. Lola's is, to say it's been kind of a labor of love would be selling it short. I mean, there's no way that we can talk about this restaurant without first kind of talking about how you came to be in this. I mean, I, I want to talk about MFK first, mm -hmm. what you guys have been doing up there before we talk into how Lola's itself came to be. Okay. Talk about how the kind of history of MFK came about. When did you jump into it? Because you'd bounce around at a couple different kitchens. You've done time with some really good chefs and restaurants in the area. When did you know that you guys want to kind of pursue your own thing? Um, man, that's a, ever since I started working, I feel like I wanted to not work for anyone else. I hate being told what to do. Uh, yeah, just so, so since then, I've been just trying to figure out, all right, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And uh, luckily, I was blessed to be introduced to the kitchen, and I figured, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I can, I can figure something out. Uh, so once I did that, I was like, everything that I've learned everywhere that I've worked was kind of aimed towards building that. Um, so MFK came about, what, 2016, and so everywhere that I've worked kind of just led me to how to open up my own restaurant, how to start my own business. And I've been very guided along the way with a lot of good people giving me good advice <clears throat> on how to do that. Um, so I worked at a lot of small mom and pop kitchens, a lot of bigger kitchens, some corporate places, and just kind of learned like overall how each of them operate. And, and yeah, so... Damn, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> how did MFK come to be? Yeah, um... So, uh, what year? 2014-15, um, I got an opportunity with a couple guys, uh, people that I met, to open up a poke restaurant. And that's how uh, that, I felt like, oh, cool, this is my first big break. Um, so, we got everything together, uh, finalized the menu, we found a location, and then right when we were about to sign the lease of the location, uh, they got a little bit of cold feet because it was their first business venture as well. Got it. So they said, you know what? Now's not the time. We're just going to just wait a little bit longer. And uh, for me, that was a big blessing in disguise. From there, <clears throat> kind of just regrouped. Uh, 
I actually went to the Philippines with uh, my family. And while I was out there, my aunt and my grandma, they have a restaurant. And since I was, since I started cooking, since I started working, every year that I went back, we would go a few times a year as well. I would ask them, hey, let me open up a restaurant. Every time I would ask, they keep saying, no, you're not ready. No, you're not going to open up a restaurant. I was like, okay, fine. So this last time I went back, I just said, you know what? Let me try. Let me try one more time. And I don't know what happened, but she said, yes. She said, you know what? Uh, you can use our name. Because I asked, hey, I want to open up a restaurant. Like, can I use the name of the restaurant here, which was called Icy in the Philippines? Mm-hmm. And I got her blessing. Uh, she made me go ask my other aunts and then finally go ask my grandma. She always has final say in everything. So once she said yes, she hit the ground running when I came back home. It's a big deal to get the blessing from the matriarchs of the family yeah, because yeah. anybody who's got like aunties of any type in their family history knows what a big battle that can be. Definitely. There's, there's like eight of them. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> that's a whole, that's <laughs> a whole a court you family. gotta go through. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, luckily got their blessing uh, when I got back. Uh, I've been getting a lot of things down. Uh, luckily, I think one of the biggest things that helped me really get this restaurant started was when I was younger, my mom helped me build my credit in high school. And um, a buddy of mine, when I started catering, he said, hey, Go get your business license, even if you don't make any money at all. Um, just say that you have it. So by the time you go to the banks, it can show that you're in business for however long. So when I went to the banks to get the loan for the restaurant, they saw that I was in business for three years, even though I wasn't. <laughs> I was yeah. still living at home doing nothing. <laughs> the bank said, oh, "Okay, cool. You've been in business three years. Like we'll get started with the paperwork." They didn't consider me a startup business or a new business because I've been in business so long. So for anyone trying to start their own place, that would be my advice: is just get a business license with whatever you're doing and just get it on paper. That is insider information. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. So MFK gets settled, opens. I mean, there's not a person that I know who doesn't love the food, mm-hmm. loves what y'all do. Then you look into the second spot. Uh, yeah, so for what actually happened on the first one, we were open for about three, four, four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, during COVID, during the second shutdown, our restaurant actually caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, that was nuts. Um, it was uh, spontaneous combustion. Okay, was, because that's what I wanted to ask about because yeah. every, all the press releases and stuff like that, it all said just a spontaneous fire, which really was what it was. Yeah, it, I, it's a straight, it was straight out of a movie. I was... There were so many emotions that night, just kind of watching my dreams literally like on fire. Um, and then for the fire marshal to come out a couple of hours later after everything was done, it was, uh, it's not final, but we think it's spontaneous combustion. I'm like, what does that even mean? That's a bullshit answer, <laughs> but damn. Yeah. Um, I was relieved because I thought we left something on um, the gas. There was an explosion. So I thought like, my God, there's well, I mean, yeah, yeah. like no injuries and it wasn't like malfeasance. Like it, it still was a tragedy that had happened, but at least it could have been as they always can be worse. Yes. Yeah. So once he told me that, um, I was like, okay, ex- explain spontaneous combustion to me. And, uh, basically what he said, uh, we had some clean towels over there and, uh, but the police were, I think the fire report said inconclusive, but what he ended up saying was, um, clean towels, just, spontaneously combusted with whatever chemicals clean towels just spontaneous combusted and then it was next to a wall and it, that was the kindle and it just uh, caught I mean, on you fire. hear stories of that but that's wild i mean i mean the, trying to comprehend a spontaneous combustion by itself 
is one thing, but mm. you're in the middle of the secondary shutdown. September, I think, is when the fire was. Yeah, Labor Day. What I think. Yeah. Whatever. Mon- it was a Monday. I mean, what is? And, and again, I don't want to stay on the negativity, but yeah, I yeah. can't. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. I mean, where were you at mentally watching that happen? Oh man, I was just so many things were going through my mind. Um, just, I was sad. I was like, oh my god. I was just staring at it, and I think I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just staring and just there's nothing you could do but watch yeah, i mean just, yeah just watching it i'm like what am i gonna do and how did you move forward after that i mean the the decision to go back to something that is hard which being the hospitality industry opening a restaurant things like that what drew you back to it after the fire because a lot of people a lot of signs yeah. I, I didn't my wife and i we opened up this restaurant before we got married and uh it's if anyone ever works with their spouse or their significant other it's it, it's tough you know like there's a, even though you see each other every day, it feels like you don't get to talk to each other every day about yeah. things that you went through. So when that happened, we saw it as like a sign as to get out was our kind of exit. And we really had to think and dig deep down and see if this was something that we wanted to pursue. <clears throat> we were thinking about just going off grid. Uh, we have family in like the Philippines and Samoa. Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know what? We can build a house for like 10,000 bucks. And just live such a simple life and not have to worry about anything. Yeah. And I don't think anybody would fault you for doing that. I mean, yeah. I know plenty of people that did take different routes, whether they went out of state or whether they went international, especially after something like that. So what ultimately, I mean, you look at the signs mm-hmm. of why we could get out. What was the trigger to get you back in? Uh, so we just kept praying, praying. And um, the closer we got to our plan was just to take a break for a year and then after a year kind of just revisit the issue and see if this is something that yeah. we still want to pursue. And then halfway through that, uh, we get a call from uh, the Steelcraft and they hit us up and they said, hey, we have a unit for you if you're interested. It's fully furnished. It's ready to go. All you have to do is start cooking. And that's big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah and, and for people listening that don't know Steelcraft, Steelcraft is a big kind of multi-use, one of those facilities where like everybody's kind of got like a big stall. People can go up there, bring the families, like bring the dogs. Like it's a real, real fun spot. Yeah. It's a real cool outdoor food hall type of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, they told us about that and I'm like, wow, this is, we were praying for a sign and we kind of just felt like ding, That's ding, ding. Yeah. So uh, we sat on it, kind of waited out uh, pros and cons and I just felt like it was the right fit. It was really low investment cost, um, mm-hmm. something we knew how to do. Our favorite thing was just since it was more of a quick service type of feel, uh, we didn't have to run like a big 10 person crew, eight person crew. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was a really big draw for us. So, you know what? Um, we just hopped on it and just said, you know what? We had a nice time. We had a break and now we can is, get yeah, back to it. Now yeah. we can get back to it. This is people keep ta- asking about us and it was hard to just say, oh, we, we're not too sure what we're doing. And then once we kind of let people know, hey, we're coming back, we got a, like a really big uh, response from that. So That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean, now we're sitting here today inside of Lola's, um, approaching a soft opening, depending on when people listen to this episode. I think this will go live after the soft opening, give or take on dates. Um, but you guys will be fully open at some point down the road fairly soon. You guys are pretty close. Yeah, yeah. And how did Lola's come to be? Because this is a different venture than Steelcraft. I mean, this is going full bore. And, and I really want to dig into Lola's itself because I think mm. that this is a really, really important, not just location, but I, I would say this is one of the ones at least I'm looking forward to. I think it's a very important opening for the area. Yeah, yeah. How did this um, one come about? So this one has been a long time in the making. Uh, Lola's actually wasn't 
the original name, but it was the idea. I'm assuming that there's no clean towels in the, anywhere in the back anymore. <laughs> no, no. Uh, <laughs> the, fire marshal said metal bins, so now they're in metal containers. Yeah, so even clean or dirty. Lock good. them up. Yeah, no matter what. Yep. Um, yeah, so Lola's full service Filipino food has been something I initially wanted to do with uh, their, our original brand, MFK, um, in mm-hmm. Anaheim. Um, but just with the zoning and everything, we had to kind of switch our concept to be more of a quick service to go style. So that kind of put my ideas and everything that I wanted to do on the back burner. So Lola's is, in essence, kind of just been there waiting for its time to come out. Um, and it finally got a chance to uh, back in my hometown, Anaheim. So that's that's something that we're really proud of, just being able to, because we were looking everywhere to open. Yeah, uh, Long Beach, West Covina. Long Beach, I, I kind of started liking Long Beach, that area a lot. Yeah. So we were looking at a few places and luckily... Uh, the spot next to the Angel Stadium opened up and uh, we made a deal happen over here. Yeah, I should say that <laughs> we are literally right next to Angel Stadium. Also, the pond is right next door. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like if Trout hits one, it's probably going to roll into the parking <laughs> lot. Like you guys are right next to Angel Stadium. I mean, as far as looking for foot traffic, mm-hmm. this could be just, I mean, gangbusters over uh, here. Oh, my God. Especially uh, from my last location. This is such a big blessing for us. Um, You were... You were <laughs> Our first spot in Anaheim was just like in a little strip mall next to a liquor store, a strip club, mm-hmm. and a, an illegal casino. So jumping from that to this location has been like a big breath of fresh air for yeah, us. Yeah, that's a little bit of a change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I might know the strip mall you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I want to talk about, I mean, this is a major location. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Angels right there, Ducks right there, plus concerts, mm-hmm. plus shows, things of that nature. This is a huge, huge potential for foot traffic. I mean, bringing people in, you know, you're sharing the plaza with relatively newcomers, also a really good coffee shop next door. And mm-hmm. you've got, a, you know, the taco kind of cantina opening up next door. I mean, this is a lot of new, which is good. And you guys being so close is huge. But I want to ask about the decision to open when there's a lot of nightlife going on. Uh-huh. You're opening with breakfast first. I mean, you will get to full service at some point, but yeah. you're opening breakfast first. We're opening breakfast first. Yeah. And um, I know that that's a bit of an emotional connection for you also. Can you kind of talk about A, why, and then also B, why that is? Yeah. Uh, breakfast, my, it's my favorite meal of the day. Lunch, dinner, nighttime, I'm down for breakfast any time of the day. Um, so that's something, even growing up, is something I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I realized I wanted to open up a Filipino restaurant, I always knew I wanted to open up some type of breakfast, some type of brand, not, not even brunch, just breakfast. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> uh, so we saw this just as a chance to do it. Um, brunch. I don't know. I feel like it's been a lot more popular lately, even mm-hmm. though it's been around forever. Um, and it's just fun. Day drinking. Yeah, that's true. You know, eating, supporter. Yeah, definitely. So we just decided. One to hop on my hop out of my comfort zone in in a sense, because We've never done a brunch concept. Mm-hmm. Um, dinner, I can knock out of the park, but brunch is something that's like you know what? It's a little, it's a little different, but I feel like there's a big draw for it, and there's a big need for it in our yeah. community as well. So that we kind of just said, you know, let's run with brunch. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, so like we said, you will hopefully get to full service at some point. Obviously, you got to get the wheels going, the doors open, you know, the team settled in. Yeah. What's, what's the long-term goal? Just kind of full service throughout the day? I mean, yeah, f- uh, full service throughout the day. Um, we're going to be open from for breakfast, brunch, 8.30 to 2.30. Kind of have a, like a little intermission between 2.30 yep. and 5.30. And then we open up 5.30 for dinner and run awesome uh, dinner service from about 5.30 to 11. Is there any anticipation or fear about 
running something once it gets full bore at that kind of full capacity. I mean, that's an all day service plus two other locations. I mean, plus the other locations, like plus MFK, you still have going on. It's not like it just poof went away. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. It, it, uh, how are you? How do you not have a head full of gray hair right now? <laughs> uh, you just have an awesome team behind you right now. I'm blessed with a lot of people that we worked with and we've connected with along the years that joined us. And that's how we're able to do it. That's how mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just get things going and do multiple projects is having a great team behind you. Yeah. And I'm blessed with that. Working in so many different kitchens with different cuisines, learning from different chefs, things like that. What does it mean to you to be getting back to your families? I mean, you mentioned, obviously, mm -hmm. in the Philippines, they have a restaurant, been around for a while. You had to check with all the aunts and grandmother to make sure that you could kind of take the name and the food. I mean, what does it mean to you to finally be plating up your family and kind of the, the culture of that cuisine? It's a good feeling. It's like it's like being able just to represent and kind of just showcase your culture. Um, in America, SoCal, it's, it's, it's a melting pot of different people and different ethnicities. And right everyone gets a time to shine and everyone gets to taste everything. And it's yeah. cool being in the forefront of that. Well, I mean, I would agree that it is a melting pot, but by that same token, it's a geographically difficult melting pot. I mean, do you think that you would only, do you think that you would have the same level of success if you were down in South County or a friend of the show, Danny uh -huh. Castillo of Heritage Barbecue mentioned his first couple months, you know, the feeling, and I believe it was the LA Times uh, that he did an interview with talking about how he is this Chicano guy mm -hmm. up from Whittier coming down where there are, frankly, because I live down in that area, so I know mm -hmm. it, a lot of white folks. I mean, a lot <laughs> of motherfuckers walk around looking like me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. do you think you would have that same success if it was down south or or is it? it is there a easier kind of entry up here? You know, down south, I feel like right now we there's a good chance that we could just because it's so close to San Diego. Yeah. San Diego has an awesome population. I mean, selfishly, I'd love it because I love the food, but the 57 sucks. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no worries. Um, just, I feel like Filipino food is more in the, is really popular right now. Yeah. So if we were to open, I feel like people wouldn't be like, Oh, what is that? They'd be like, Oh, I've heard of that. Let's try it. Um, I feel like people are more open to trying different cuisines now more so than they were about five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, only time will tell. It would be cool to find out and really actually see, open up down there and just see what happens. That would be dope. Yeah. yeah. And I do think you're right. I, I think it's an interesting thing that, you know, the, the northern part of the county, there are more ethnically diverse neighborhoods. There are cuisines that you can't find in certain places. There's also more independent mom and pop or like yourself, family mm -hmm. run businesses like that. And it's one of my favorite things about coming up here. Yeah. Growing up in Anaheim, I, I loved it over here. We yeah. have... Little Saigon, 10 minutes away. We have Little Arabia, two streets down. Yep. Um, you want to go down 10 minutes off the 91, then you have Little India. It's just a melting pot of just so many different, and Mexican food everywhere. Yeah, no doubt. You know? Yeah. And it's awesome. But like you said, I mean, Little Saigon is one of my favorite places to head up when I'm in this area. Like just phenomenal food around every freaking corner. Mm -hmm. And it's just this concentration here. Um, as you guys continue to grow and kind of the brand continues to grow, now that this is a full service kind of mm -hmm. dine-in restaurant, what is the, some of the things, I guess, long-term that you're hoping to deliver to customers as far as either like experiences or different dining options that you couldn't do at a steel craft just based on the logistics? Um, for over here, logistically wise with our food is just kind of being a lot more creative. Um, over there, we're kind of just bound to uh, what they have going on in the sense of it's more like just to go, all yeah. to go containers. Um, and we don't have necessarily our own section of tables, you know? So if we were 
we have a lot of uh, pop-ups planned out right now with mm-hmm. some of the chefs and it would be hard to incorporate that incorporate that over there so over here i think that's what it's going to allow, allow us to do which is kind of be more personable have a more intimate session to where people can try our cuisine along with others well it's time for a little commercial yeah I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. It's all too common that the best seats receives messages asking for recommendations. Where to go to lunch? Where's the best happy hour? Where should I get dinner? How should I spend my weekend? Well, One of the best ways that I can think of is drinking wine, being among friends, listening to music, and constantly having a smile on my face. That's why I'm excited to tell you about LA Wine Fest. The 17th annual LA Wine Fest presented by Hotel Maya, Water's Edge Winery, and Welks Resorts heads to Long Beach June 4th and 5th at Harry Bridges Memorial Park. Enjoy unlimited wine tastings from more than 50 award-winning wineries from around the globe, plus craft brews, hard ciders, and more. The Waterfront Park location provides a perfect space to taste wine, where live music, fun, and wine education all come together for a glorious two days. For tickets and more information, you can go to LAWineFest.com. I know that I'm going to go there and enjoy the heck out of it. I recommend you do the same. And once again, for tickets and information, that's LAWineFest.com. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin. And everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, 
you will not be disappointed with others. Well, there's also, because I know you guys have done pop-up in the past, um, mm. different pop-ups, but there's also going to be things that people can enjoy here that they would only be able to enjoy normally at a pop-out, correct? Like some of the, yeah. like the big, like Kamehian feasts and oh, things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, so we do this thing that's called um, either the Kamehian or people call it Buddha Kamehian, fights. Yeah. yeah. Buddha fights also. Yeah. You can definitely tell there's a white guy interviewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, it's a hard word to say sometimes. Um, but yeah, so over here, we're going to do something that's not commonly found even within Filipino food. It's a, a brunch style kamayan. Usually kamayan is like a feast you eat with your hands. It's usually more for dinner time mm-hmm. uh, and for parties. But now we're kind of just introducing that for brunch because it's fun. You, you know, it's eating with your hands, being really intimate with your food, uh, just having a, like a, just a good time. Yeah. And damn delicious. Yeah. We should also mention that these things are not subtle. I mean, if people want to come in and still do like a traditional kind of big style of it, mm-hmm. you guys are going to be able to finally like facilitate that. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That, and then we can have actually, you can just buy out the whole place if you want. Which is uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah you have uh, people already asking like, okay, I have like 60 people and we want to do a Kamayan and like, we're not even open yet, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, when you do eventually move into dinner service, mm-hmm. you know, being able to kind of push some of the creativity and, and really kind of honing in on this kind of cuisine, what are some of the things that you're hoping to do? Oh, just kind of explore our dishes with kind of just a Southern California flair, which incorporates just different cultures. Mm-hmm. And um, being working at a lot of these different restaurants, I feel like this would be the perfect place to kind of just bring it all together. Um, some of the dishes that I'm really looking forward to is the national dish of the Philippines is chicken adobo mm-hmm. and uh, mole, the Mexican dish. It's so rich and um, we've tested it out a few times and we did a chicken adobo mole and it's just kick ass. Yeah, that like, sounds bomb. Yeah, um, just so many different spices coming together and they don't clash. They really just build each other up and you can kind of really taste each notes of them. And that's I've, I'm really proud of that dish. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I love that. Uh, one of the things that you guys are doing, which not many people are, but you're starting to see conversations of it. You're starting to see you know, some of the celebrity chefs end of the game, but here in Southern California, it's really only at least publicly been kind of mentioned with you and one other restaurant group, at least at the moment, which are delving into kind of the digital operations of a restaurant with regard to NFTs. NFTs are kind of a, it's a topic that is percolating. It's a topic that a lot of people either know a ton about or they know nothing about, or they're kind of like me, they're a little bit in the middle. Mm -hmm. But, and and I want to say this carefully because I don't want to act like I'm passing judgment on it because I don't think I know enough yet too, but I know that with anything digital, you run the risk of exploitation and that's not what you guys are doing, Mm -hmm. but obviously there's groups out there and there's the joke about, oh, that's just a JPEG. And I know it's not, but I don't really know what it is. Uh Why? Why jump into the NFT space? What was appealing about it for you? And and what are you kind of hoping to do long-term kind of with a digital offering like that? Yes. Yeah, so for the NFT, it was so new to me just a few months ago. And I mean, it was every, new to the world. Yeah, like just yeah. like, I mean, I know it's been percolating for a while, but now it's finally kind of out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, we just saw it as an opportunity just to kind of see where the world is going. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of talk behind like Bitcoin and the whole cryptocurrency. Um, it's really up and down with that. People kind of just on the fence, not sure, not too sure, still yeah. don't fully understand it. And then along comes that, like the NFT building off of something that people don't even understand as well. But at the same time, there is a big community that do understand it. Yeah, deeply. And yes. Yeah. And not only just a community, a specific community to where they have 
really prove themselves in the business world. You know, it's not just like a random person. Oh, like, hey, mm-hmm. here's an yeah. NFT. If there's like people like really, really like Andy. Yep. He's one of them. Yep. Who I'm hoping, yeah. hopefully will be on the show at some point. So yeah, fingers yeah. crossed for that one. Yeah. Him and his team, they, they saw the, the essence of it and of what it can be. And that's what attracted me also. We went to like an NFT meetup for me just to learn kind of what it is and get more, more of an idea. And in that, <clears throat> excuse me, in that, in that meetup, they were just talking about just a breakdown of what an NFT is, you know, um, how it can be applied in the real world and how they're using it. Um, but me and a few other people who are in restaurants in Orange County, we wanted to think of an application, how we can apply NFTs in our business model. Mm-hmm. So everyone had different ideas and we all kind of came together and just say, hey, what can we do and how can we utilize it? And from there, we kind of just when I just started trying to figure it out and we saw a lot of utility for it right now, a lot of NFTs, right, it's like a JPEG, it's just a picture. And a lot of people make money off of that just for its popularity. Oh, like this person has it. Yeah. You know, this is dope. Like, let, let's hype it up. We saw that, but we thought, look, you know what? What if we took away the hype? What if we gave it some utility, some something that people, something tangible? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you own this, you can do something with it. And that's what we kind of thought. That'll be really cool. Yeah. You know? And like, I, I think that's a super kind of, and not to simplify it, but that is kind of the exp- the first thing that you kind of think of, you're like, okay, I own this. That's great. But how do I find the intrinsic value in something digital as opposed to like mm-hmm. art that you see on a wall or something like that? That's non-replicable. Obviously you can do prints and things like that, but without to kind of get too nitty gritty with it, your approach, I do think makes sense. Hey, we're going to sell X amount of these. And if you prove that you own this by showing us, you know, your basically credentials for it, mm-hmm. it entitles you to A, B and C. It's basically kind of like a artistic club membership. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know if this would be a good term to push it forward, but in one essence, it's like a glorified gift card. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you're younger and you're in football or in your sports, they say, hey, sell this gift card to people. Oh, so my God. The coupon discount. books. Yeah. The coupon yep. books. You know, it's got PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> yeah. So I, I felt like. But the thing with that is once you've utilized it, it's done. There's, yeah. no, there's no more value. But if you kind of incorporate an NFT uh, one cool thing about NFTs is you can resell it. Mm-hmm. So if there's value to it and you've used your value for it, someone else can buy it off of you so they can utilize it as well. Yeah. So it essentially kind of resets when it transfers and the assets transfer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fascinating way to look at it. But I, I got to ask, how did you, I mean, without giving, and, and this is obviously up to you how much you want to mm-hmm. delve into it because yeah, I don't, yeah. don't want to disrespect or go into any of like the the kind of IP process behind it. Mm-hmm. How did you create it to then getting it on the market? I mean, the most popular market is OpenSea. Uh, yeah. There's obviously kind of other ways to do it, but what was the process like? Um, it's fairly simple. Um, luckily, so we had, if anyone's been to our original location, we had a really dope ass mural that was about like 15, 20 feet long. Yeah, it was a fire mural. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So the artist um, who made that for us, his name is Andre, um, X Creatives is his company. Uh, he actually diving into NFTs right now. So he's an, an amazing artist and he, he started making NFTs and he told me, hey, man, it's like it's really easy to, just to make one and upload it. And it's easy to just kind of authenticate it and make sure you can really see who owns one. Yeah. You know, it's like a like a barcode, just yep. like a certificate. So for that process, he said, is you just upload it, type in a few things. I mean, it can get more in depth with um what you want to put into it, but in a very simple way, you can just upload it and boom, 
that was that yeah, was just there. pay yeah yep. just pay for the electronic feed to get it uploaded and it's there so that's it, awesome yeah really simple I mean, I should note at the time that we're recording this, the NFT sales are live um, right before I came in. I checked and people are already buying them. I mean, so they, they are out there, depending on when you're listening to this, they may still be there so you can run over and get them for yourself, which is actually pretty, pretty cool. Um, have there been any conversation? I mean, obviously, the major focus is on the restaurant opening. There's already been kind of a, a media preview for it. Mm-hmm. Um, has launching into that digital space, the kind of Web3 space, NFTs, has that brought on any other eyes to, I mean, again, whenever a restaurant opens, right, press release goes out, people yeah. get excited, especially when there's a brand behind it that people already love, like what you guys have. Uh-huh. Has delving into the digital space brought in any new eyes or interest? That is exactly why we wanted to do it. Uh, we felt like this was a very untapped world. Um, we've been doing homework and no other restaurant has done this. Uh, Gary V, yeah. um, he's opening up in 2023 uh, his NFT restaurant, but we felt like this was an opportunity to be the first like it sounds weird but we can literally we're the, we're the first restaurant i think in the world that actually incorporated an nft into their business model um people are gonna do it yep they're waiting to do it uh, they have opening dates but we're ours is already live and ready to go yeah so that was pretty super cool interesting. Yeah, yeah and then we got a few people who just say hey how how are you doing it how are you utilizing it and what like what do you, how do you feel it's going to push you forward my end goal for this is to be able to have restaurants built through NFTs. So for whoever buys our NFT, they're going to have opportunities to invest with us into future restaurants moving forward. And the only way you would be able to is if you are in our club, if you're in our group who really believed in us and bought our NFT. Takes crowdfunding to a whole new level. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does it feel full circle to be kind of, to have you know launched MFK, mm-hmm. family's blessing. You're serving kick-ass Filipino food to people. Then, obviously, the tragedy of the fire, potentially leaving the industry. Now you're back here, second location, and and Lola's just around the corner. How do things feel? I mean, after all the hardship of, of 2020 and everything else, I mean, where are you at nowadays? You know, I feel like I haven't had time to really sit down and soak it all in yet. Uh, there's just it's been so crazy. Um, with we just opened up our second location for MFK um, in Bellflower just a year ago, and then about six months after that, we started trying to open up Lola's. So since then, just trying to just get everything ready, moving parts, um, personal life, family life, the business life. It's just I should sit back and reflect on it. And excuse me. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, grow, growing, growing up, my dream was always just to have one restaurant. Yeah. And here I am working on the third one. And it's, it's nuts. I, I still can't believe it. Um, damn, it's a third one. It's number three. Yeah. Number yeah, it three. It makes it real yeah. when you're actually sitting inside it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, brother, um, the one last thing that I wanted to ask is just because we touched on it a little bit earlier is you know, this is one of the first restaurants that I've had on the show that mm-hmm. is directly, like we joked about earlier, next to a major sports venue. And mm-hmm. you're not just next to one, you're next to two of them. From the marketing standpoint, you know, how do you go about making the noise of getting in people, you know, before the game, after the game, things like that? I mean, have you given any thought to interacting with either Angel Stadium or Honda Center? I mean, oh, just yeah, pulling them in. And definitely. especially not to mention with all the developments that Anaheim is going to be going through. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anaheim 
they're I heard they wanted to make it into like an LA live feel. Yeah. You know, there's already a bunch of apartments being built and already built. Yeah. And I know it's already got forward. a nickname. I forgot what it is. I mean, someone can write it and tell me that I'm wrong and tell me what it was, but I know it's already got like a nickname and all this other stuff. I mean, okay. how does that all feel being right next to all of this madness? Um, thankful. Yeah. I'm very, very thankful, uh, for this opportunity. And I think that's just how I feel. Um, and with that, it's just kind of just living up to what we need to do. Um, it's do or die in business, you know. Like, yeah, no doubt. But eighty percent of restaurants or businesses don't make it. Um, luckily enough, we've been open for about six years, so hopefully, we're kind of doing something right. Uh, <laughs> well, brother, I'm fired up for you. Um, <laughs> your food is phenomenal. I've always been a fan of it, and the fire damn near broke my heart when I saw that on social media. So, do you get see you guys clawing back and fighting back so strong is is really really special. Um, we are gonna keep you around, obviously, for a quick little post show just for mm-hmm. Patreon people. But I want to thank you for your time, and I cannot wait. Again, by the time this podcast goes live, a uh, soft opening should have happened. Uh, hopefully, you guys will be inching close, closer and closer to actually opening. And so, yeah, can commit uh, really follow our this. social media. We're gonna definitely announce that when we're open. Uh, just type us up, and we should pop up. I was gonna say, where can people find you guys at? What is it? It's Lola's yeah, ty- by MFK. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, for our IG handle, just Lola's underscore MFK, or just type in Lola's and Filipino food, Anaheim and we're we're right there that's awesome brother and yeah please obviously anybody listening stay tuned if the opening has not happened yet and get on and buy an nft you can get in early yeah (laughs) thank you brother Thank you, thank you, thank you again to Henry for coming on the show. Do not forget that there is even more content in the post show exclusively over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Sign up at one of the month amounts. It should automatically unlock all of those post shows that I've launched so far in 2020, as well as new series that are going to be launching in April when I am back from a very short, but I don't know, maybe it's just me because I'm biased because I'm the one going on it, well-deserved vacation. In the meantime, go out and support Lola's. As you kind of heard in the podcast, they're doing a soft opening, which means that they need some support right now. Soft openings are tough. Give them support, give them some grace, give them some patience, but trust me, you will have a good time and you will leave very full. Hope your car's little autopilot is working if you're one of those Tesla people. If you're not, cruise control and best of luck to you. Thank you to everybody that supports on free feeds. Thank you to everybody that does support on Patreon each and every month. This show is not possible without you. Thank you to the advertisers that are sticking with this as this show and this brand continues to grow. Stay off Yelp, tip your bartenders. Make sure to follow Ali Kuel for your music and I will see you very soon for episode 84. Take care. See ya. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Marito Norito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez. Thank you for your support.